0: Welcome back to the Inner Call. My name is Blur and thank you for tuning back in. Today is part two of my conversation with Courtney Smith, in which we chat about the Enneagram, what it is, and what your type is. So, today's conversation helps you figure out which one of the nine Enneagrams you are. Last week we talked about what the Enneagram is, how it works, and how your intuition is linked to the Enneagram, which I thought was a fascinating discussion but today's episode is all about figuring out what is your number what is your enneagram number is it a one a two a three four five six seven eight nine which one is it I personally had found a lot of conflict in that question I was annoyed every time I took the Enneagram quiz, as maybe you have been or are currently looking at your results. I felt like they were in opposition to each other. I had tested, and you're going to hear this in the conversation, myself the first time when I was 19 years old. And then over the years, my numbers seemed to change. It was confusing. It was confusing. And up until this conversation, I had not had a clarity as to what my type was, I will say this conversation, totally paradigm shifting. I'm so clear on my number. The funny part or ironic part is that in conversations with friends, because I have brought this conversation up, I don't know, 20 times since I had it, but in conversations with friends, they have accurately identified my number. So they always saw it clearly. It turns out I did not. It's fascinating I've also, based off of the conversation with Courtney that you're about to hear, started playing the game of what enneagram are my friends and family and been right up until now. It's so interesting as a tool to understand when life stretches you out, where you go, when life is balanced, where your personality tends to find its greatest strengths. It is a real journey in self-awareness. And I feel that this episode allows you to be on that journey of self-awareness as you're thinking through these questions. It's also given me a lot more appreciation for the different personalities in my life and where their struggles are so different from mine and how I can give more grace and more understanding that when someone is in a stressed out position, they may react in a way that I don't understand because my type doesn't react that way. I have found this to be incredibly helpful, like one of the most helpful conversations I've ever had. And so I really hope that you also get as much out of it as I did. I want to reintroduce you to Courtney Smith, who is that resident Enneagram guru of ours. She's a facilitator, an executive coach. She's an organizational advisor, and she really has made it her mission to help you gain profound self-awareness and accelerate your personal growth through working with the Enneagram. Today, you're going to figure out what your type is through Courtney's brilliant explanations, her infectious enthusiasm, and that little sprinkle of magic that she adds to the conversation. Definitely listening closely to this one and let me know what your type is. I'm curious. Is there another part of the Enneagram that you feel is very helpful for people that is often missed or, or perhaps misunderstood?
1: Yeah, so I can talk about this in a spiritual way. Lens, but it doesn't have to be understood that way. I'm going to use that language, but if I were in a corporate environment, I would talk about it differently.
0: We're spiritual over here, so <laughs> it's allowed. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs>
1: okay. Um, one of the things, like if you if you read the books, uh, one of the things they talk about for each of the types is the passion, and what does this mean? So, so a passion is really taking from like an early Greek word where passion means the suffering. From a spiritual perspective, part of what I would say is the human journey is the necessary initial separation from source that happens as we become creatures of this world. And that separate, that sensation of loss of connection to source is fundamental across humanity that experience but it has different flavors for different people what that loss feels like a loss of and so one way that you can look at each of the enneagram types is what is the kind of existential suffering that I experience day to day because as I experience challenge and disconnection and suffering and loss in this world, at some level, it is reminding me of that first loss, that first disconnection from source that I experienced. And this becomes almost like an emotional lens through which we're now registering trauma in this world. And so the passions of each of the type are really the language or the way we would kind of synthesize that flavor of suffering for each of the types. And one big exploration for each of the types is to really be willing to Acknowledge and walk into and fully experience that suffering, your flavor. That you can sort of think of each of the Enneagram types and personality, because personality is here as an adaptive strategy to help us get our needs met and to help us avoid suffering. You can sort of think of each of the types as the personality evolved for me to try to hold that flavor of suffering at bay.
0: Ooh, okay. Now we're getting into like the heart of it. Love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is the darkness. And so if I no longer have to hold that suffering at bay, if I actually say, look, I had to do that when I was a little child because I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have the right tools, my holding environment, people were doing the best they could, but couldn't support me. But now I'm actually however many years old and I can hold my own pain. I can look it in the eye because I can look my pain in the eye and still feel my feet on the ground and still know that part of me is gonna be okay. And the more I'm willing to confront and face the actual flavor of pain that I have come into this world with a predilection for, the less I need my personality as a defensive strategy. Mm, Got it. The less scared I am of this thing that has been driving me all along. And then I have more range and I have more choice because I'm okay. The thing which I'm so scared of ever experiencing, I actually, I can, I'm here, I'm still here to talk about it. And it's not driving me anymore.
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. The- it's a little
1: vague when I talk about it that way, even though it, it is very personally meaningful for me, but that's because it's been part of my journey, but maybe it would be helpful to pick one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I think it's worth it to go for each type, just if it's like a short sentence. If you're listening to this, you've taken a quick quiz. It, I think it could be really interesting. And I'm sure that there are people listening that are that are quite into this anyways.
1: Okay. Well, let's do yeah.
0: it. Save them a Google search. You know,
1: and (laughs) this might be one of the things like you take the test, but as I explain these nine passions, one of them might, you know, might emotionally ring for you more than the others. And that would be a clue to look in that direction, no matter what the test says and whether they're different or the same, like holding, as I said at the beginning, holding both as possibilities, you're going to get lots of mileage from that. Love that. So we'll start with the eight, the eight as separation from source occurred the eight's experience of this was a loss of aliveness, a loss of vitality, a loss of vibrancy, like the eight in sort of its most innocent, beautiful form when it's connected to presence feels the sheet, the energetic potential that each one of us is buzzing and humming with and there is such power and undeniable force that comes with feeling your physical capacity. Mm. And that becomes how disconnection from source is experienced for the eight. That's what feels at risk. And so then the eight personality begins to develop strategies to how do I regain that feeling of intensity, aliveness, huh Mm. here i am don't ignore me you can't ignore me we the passion is what we call lust which is not a sexual lust but it is more like an insatiable desire for everything to be in high relief i don't want to just have you know, a conversation, I want the conversation to be juicy and I want to have conflict. And I want to have pushback and I want to feel you like in the conversation. I want to feel myself like I can't have it just be a dry, bland. Hi, how you doing? I want to be provocative and I want to like feel that there was something that happened right then. And the- as I'm listening
0: to this, I'm like, I got a few friends that fall into that category. <laughs> I don't need them to take a test. I already know. <laughs>
1: And so they're kind of making their way through life, trying to feel that uh, in everything. And so they can become controlling, domineering, you know, too much, too much for people in quotes. But that's what they're trying. That's the, their passion is life feels dead as mm-hmm. it's happening to yeah. them.
0: Which is also why I love them. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's
0: yeah. like a boom, like, you know, they're in yeah. the room. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly.
1: Exactly. So that's the eight. Um, the nine, which we call the peacemaker, also a body type, as I said, and their sort of connection to source, their quality of presence that they register is is really one of unity. Mm. And the harmony of the fabric of the universe as one. And the deep feeling of groundedness and peacefulness that comes when we sense ourselves as part of a larger entity and so this type what a beautiful quality to feel that dialed into something bigger than ourselves and to feel the peacefulness and the serenity that that comes with feeling connected Part of something bigger that becomes what the nine personality their strategy is all about and that becomes that which feels at risk when challenge and suffering occurs for the type nine and so we call their passion sloth mm. which in our language has like a feeling like means laziness but that's not at all what we really mean by this what we mean is From the nine's perspective, they so want to feel part of this larger unfolding that they begin to X themselves out of the picture and are willing to sacrifice their own individuation so that they can feel and hold on to that larger connection.
0: Mm. It's so interesting listening to these and like being able to identify very specific people in my life. I have a member of my team. They're going to listen to this and be like, who is it? Um, but I have a member of my, oh, they'll know. They're going to know. Um, but I'm, but it's interesting because I've watched her often and, and like, you have to stand up for yourself. Like, I need you to ask for more money. <laughs> like, you know, like I've had like six month check-ins with her. I'm like, and this is the part where you ask for a raise. <laughs> but,
1: that's so cute. Yeah, but that's. She's not
0: going to do it. But she's like connected to the vision and connected to, you know, like, and her heart is so pure and she is this peacemaker and this, this bringer of light. And uh, I just love her so much. But when you're saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, but I can also see where there's that that difficulty then in in becoming the individual yeah. who's asking for like the egoic needs
1: yeah it's such a yummy feeling right to be part of this field from their perspective it's like the moment i ask for what i want or i dare to disagree or i dare to speak up the moment i risk disruption it 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 feels catastrophic why would i why would i you know my my own individual needs feel so small in comparison to how yummy this feeling of connection feel like this feeling of being part of a field i can just go right back to that mm. and so we call that passion we say sloth but what we really mean is self-forgetting like a loss of connection of a, a literally forgetting to check in with the eye an overlooking of the eye
0: i also want to say like just listening to this gives me even greater clarity then as to how I want her to show up for herself. Like, it's really actually helpful hearing this and going, oh, like, that's not even just social conditioning. That's deeper than that. That's like, that's not cultural. That, that really is something she is going to need my support to like attain for being able to speak up, right? Like, I need to give her space for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, of course, as you know, as women we have there's all sorts of social conditioning that's layering on yes. top of this but but for her, this is an existential wound right that you can sort of think has happened to her over and over and over like hundreds of times because that's the way she's sort of shown up the way she came through yeah. into this world, and so it feels really, really risky to her to to do th- something differently and the journey for the nine when we're um in relationship with them is to my analogy is always it's like they're part of a symphony, and they're refusing to play their part mm. because they're so tuned into the bigger musical enterprise and listening to all the different instruments that they kind of forget that if they don't play their part, actually the whole symphony suffers mm. and sometimes their part is being first violin, like sometimes their part is being really, really loud and and helping them see. That when they ask for what they want, when they stand up for their own needs, actually that creates more unity, more harmony. Love that. Yeah, true. So type one is known as the idealist. And here, quality of presence or the experience of source that the one registered is this profound feeling of alignment with the divine. Every part of my being, as it functions properly, even my heartbeat, even my digestive system, is functioning in accordance with these greater principles, this greater alignment with something sacred and something deep and mysterious. And when I have an experience that all parts of me, as when they function perfectly, are in accordance and in alignment with divine spirit. I feel this sense of wholeness and integrity and kind of profound goodness inside me. So for type ones, then challenge and loss is experienced as a loss of integrity or a loss of alignment or a loss of, there's something bad, something wrong happening here because I no longer feel like I can connect what's my actions or my thoughts or my ways of being back to some sort of divine order. And the personality then becomes kind of condensed around what ways can I make life feel, be good, not feel good, be good again. And I begin to become overly rigid around what is right and wrong, both within myself, within my environments, my relationships, the broader social milieu. How do we bring all of this back into um, in alignment with divine purpose? But I. I kind of double down on that and can become, you know, like a librarian with like, this is right, this is wrong. Like kind of like that kind of quality in my, my sincere hope of, of bringing goodness into this world.
0: So we can now all look at the people in our lives who are very much like that and go, they just want to bring goodness.
1: (laughs) Yes. 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 Yeah. Many dancers uh, have this quality to them. Many um, social reformers, mm-hmm. like a Mandela, for example, is a type one. And you can see that in their highest side, um, that focus on right or wrong, mm-hmm. the high side of that is there's actually a belief that there is the divine in all of us, that that calling forth for what is right or is what is good Mm. even though it feels, can be quite harsh and feels like a pain in the ass and feels like they're like overly rigid and focusing on the negative, underneath that is actually a belief that there is a spark of the divine in all of us. And they're trying to call that forward. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: I love all of these because now I'm like thinking about all the people in my life and I'm like, oh, what a great way to perceive it. Like I do see that that's what they're trying to do. I love that
1: yeah oh and i'm sorry i should say the passion for type one is wrath and what we mean by that is this loss of goodness in the world and it is grief but also rage but like kind of rage bubbling under the surface at that what that which not is not but could be Mm. a frustration with the gap between what is divinely possible in our world and that which is, mm. and to see the world through its potential, and but now what's missing, what is how far we fall, the frustration and gr- profound grief that. Registers in the type one. Oh wow. See yeah. this gap.
0: One of my best friends, you know, and this is like years ago, it's like 12 years ago, but when she would drink too much and she saw a sprinkler that was like too much water, she's a big environmentalist. Oh my God, she would knock on that person's door. It'd be three o'clock in the morning. We're like, we gotta go. She was like, <laughs> absolutely not. This is unacceptable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's that. (laughs) Yes, that's it's that. It's that. So wrath is so dramatic, but it I mean, but it is like and I'm so glad you raised that as an example because this is a lived experience. You know, that has such an extreme nature to it. But you asked me like, what's a second thing that you could sort of think about each of the types? And it would be looking for all of the ways that like there's bubbling rage within you on your daily life if you're a type one. Type nine, all the ways that you're forgetting yourself bit by bit by bit over the course of the day. This is something that shows up.
0: And what I will say is when I think about her, my favorite things about her, it's one of, it's like her love for the world and the environment goes so deep that that's what she's thinking about in that moment. She's like, you are damaging mother earth. And we're all like, we're having a good time.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you can also see, too, that like when you're working with a type, like that path of growth and what that person needs to work on is, is really different than the type nine, which is another. So another gift of the Enneagram is seeing that there are some things that are fundamental to the the journey of waking up for humanity or like we talked about body sensation. But there are other things that are very particular about the the gifts and the challenges that you came into this world with. And for her, sort of seeing that levity is and play is actually a form of goodness. Yeah, yeah, is part of I her journey. I hope she's not going to listen to this. <laughs> or I hope maybe I hope that <laughs> she does. <laughs> okay, so type two. We'll move on really quickly then. Type two, the um, the helper, or the giver. This is a heart type, and so part of the way their connection to source or or their their experience of presence, it's it's registering in the heart space so this is there was a feeling of love like i am profoundly loved by those around me and i love those which are in my field and that feeling of attunement compassion i see you and i see how to help you i see what you need that is that kind of being held by um, the archetypal mother was the type two's experience of source, and so that's what feels at risk for them as they become a human being, and their strategies then become how do I how do I demonstrate that I'm a person worthy of being loved again, and so they become overly focused on other people's needs, on becoming the person that takes care of others but it's being done with, again, su- you know, subconscious. They're not sort of walking around talking, acting this way or knowing they're acting this way, but I'm wanting to feel back. I'm wanting to feel like we're in a field of love again, both, and then it's not just me giving, it's actually an, you're loving me as well. And so we talk here about their, the passion of the two being one of pride. And what we mean by pride is not being boastful or talking about your achievements, because twos actually don't do that. What, what we talk about, the original meaning of pride is aligning, putting yourself too close to God. And so, in other words, the two's very understandable urge to take care of other people so that they will take care of them by definition now separates them from humanity because they're now the one that's always giving. They're the one that's not ever on the same playing field as the rest of humanity.
0: Maybe a bit like mother Teresa syndrome. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And she's a two. And so they become unreached at some, to some level kind of unreachable in their insistence on running relationships where they're the ones that always give and so there's suffering that they're generating for themselves in that very understandable first action which was how do i prove that i'm lovable that passion of pride looking for all the different ways that you hold yourself above as the one who can give the one who has something to offer the one who needs nothing that becomes the flavor of the passion for that for the type 2 type 3 is the achiever and Here, the feeling of being connected to source or the quality of presence is about having intrinsic value. If you're a parent, your child is born, and they've done nothing in this world. All they've done is show up, yet they matter to you. They have value just by the sheer fact that they exist. the three in their heart registered that quality of I matter. There's something about me that is, I'm here for a reason. I have something to offer this world. And I know that in my bones without having to lift a finger. However, as that, that compromise of feeling purpose and value, that's how the three is experiencing challenge in this world. What happens then is the three bit then begins to feel that they have to demonstrate their value and demonstrate their worth. And so they go on a crusade of overachieving and goal check, you know, checking the, the, ticking the boxes of one success after another because they have confused themselves and have come to believe that they have to prove value as opposed to that original knowing that I had value the moment I was born. And so we talk there about the passion. In the books, you'll read about it as vanity. The original word, which I like very much because it's so evocative, was vainglory. And what vainglory means is, the literal translation is um, looking for glory in the wrong places because as the three begins to focus on achievement and focus on performance as the way um, they try to attain and demonstrate value, they are eroding their own intrinsic value, right? Because they're sort of making their value conditional as opposed to looking within and recognizing and validating their that which is valuable about them independent of what they do in this world and the suffering that comes from forgetting your intrinsic value and confusing yourself in thinking that you have to perform in order to be valued
0: see that's so interesting that couldn't be more me at 18 but so now I'm like, okay, I'm still sitting with this. Like, I really feel like I changed, but I kind of went through like a a death of sorts, and then you know, like came back a different person in a way. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off until I hear five and seven to kind of figure it out. But that but that described me to a T at eighteen, and yet I have no connection to that now. It was like the deepest of my sufferings in my teens, but now, like I did everything, you know, like you couldn't. It was first chair violinist on like I was the president of five clubs I like did so many volunteer hours I was given like trophy like I just like couldn't have like done more you know that's not me anymore so it's it's so interesting that that this kind of comes back to like that sense of oh yeah like I that 100% Mm. was my struggle back then so anyways I'm gonna hold yeah I'm gonna hold and see like five seven maybe it doesn't resonate at all Mm. and there is still some work to be done on Mm. the three but
1: well, That's and really also our culture is very three. So, you know, many of these stories we all might identify with. And, and in particular, um, the three story is something that we've all heard culturally. And so again, it's the dominant one versus we all have, we've, I've all, I visited all of these places at times, but what's the one that I visit the most?
0: Yeah. And that makes sense too. Cause when you're in your teens, you're also very influenced I come from immigrant family, so there's even more emphasis on, like, the achieving. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number four. Okay. Type four. Um, We call this the individualist. And this one is a little murky for those of us who are not a type four, but ultimately very beautiful. The type four, uh, their connection to source was feeling the sort of the infinite mystery, of source and therefore the infinite mystery of what it means to be a human being. And this feeling inside ourselves that there's always like more depth, one more layer to uncover that the unfolding is, is never ending and is unknown and mysterious and therefore so precious the fact that we can't ever lay our finger quite on it is part of what makes it so precious. Mm -hmm. The fact that the divine can actually defies description. And because the divine defies description, so do I. That connection to depth and the soulfulness of The connection to the divine or the quality of presence again feels like what is lost for the four as they become a human being and encounter suffering and so from their perspective the world feels very flat and cheap and superficial and ugly and you know there is all of these sort of like like this infinite texture and richness, almost like, like a velvety texture to the connection to the divine. And now it feels like it's like all McDonald's, you know, all, all the time. <laughs> and, and so the four begins to retreat and kind of pull themselves back into trying to regain that feeling of mystery. And there's this kind of infinite longing for being met in that place that never feels like it's quite being tapped or met when they're functioning or being part of the you know everyday mundane banal world that we all live in and so the passion for the four we call envy but what we really mean by this is a longing for the that infinite mystery to be right here, right now. And this feeling that we're always missing the mark. And so then this kind of fantasizing that it could be over here, it could be over there. And envy is more about looking over your shoulder Mm. and idealizing that which you're longing for as being never quite where you are. Mm. And so there becomes this focus on this is not quite right. This is not quite right. A lot of negativity combined with a, like a wistfulness or a hopefulness or like a melancholy of like, but it could have been like this or, oh, if only it could be like that. Or so it's got both a hopefulness and a frustration with the current moment.
0: I mean, I know they're all equal, like in terms of, you know, we've got the shadow and the light and everything, but, and while I don't have that one, that one sounds particularly hard. (laughs) I just, I'm like, goodness, that sounds rough.
1: Well, and part of why it sounds and um, experience feels hard is because part of the challenge of this is the feeling of the divine and the feeling of presence that the four is trying to reconnect with is, is kind of unknowable. It's kind of like it, you can never land in it. And that's part of it because it is mysterious and constantly evolving and changing. And it's like an abyss, like a deep pool. And so. Profoundly spiritual, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's like, it's, um it's, it's it is it does defy words like it is this kind of what would it really mean to make contact with source like what would that feel like and so the four because that what it's longing for can actually not be named Mm. the not this not that not that becomes the only way to know it right if something is unknowable and defies explanation or defies language, then the way I try to get at it is through its opposite. Well, I can't describe it, but I know it's not this, it's not that. And so that focus on negativity is really the only way to narrow in on something that ultimately can never be narrowed in on. And so fours are attached to that negativity as a strategy for trying to reconnect themselves. To those of us who aren't fours, it sounds hard and challenging. And to the four, that's kind of the point.
0: Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. There's a beauty in that.
1: There's a torture in yeah. it Yeah. that yeah. is delicious to the four. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. But me, who is very obviously not a four, I'm like, ouch.
1: <laughs> yeah. It
0: gives great uh, compassion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Okay, so type five, we call the investigator. And here, we're now moving into the head types, the mind types. And so the quality of connection to the source that the five experiences is in the same way that the four is sort of experiencing the divine as this like unfolding of true nature. The five is kind of experiencing the connection to source as You know, endless discovery, the ability to see and then to see again and then to see again, you know, the freshness of, I thought I knew this and now I see this other part that I didn't know and now I do. And there's always this next layer of discovery. Oh, I'm a five.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. We figured it out. We figured it out. I'm a five.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and so there's this fascination with like what does it mean to know something? And again, part of the way the part of the way I know something is I I go to the edge of my knowledge of that what is yet uh, yet not known and I push on that. And so there's like a falling into the mind quality of connection to source, an endless fascination. What does it mean to know? With the five. And that is what feels like goes offline for the five as they experience this world. It feels like I now am really confused. Life is really jangly. There's a lot of noise and I no longer can feel what, what is true and what is not true. I've lost my ability to make sense of silliness and truth. I've lost clarity. Mm. I feel confused. When I used to have a very sharp, distilled, precise ability to see and to Mm. perceive and know and see the edges of something. Yeah. And so there's a retreat from the world um, that the five is doing in their desire to kind of regain mastery um in a, in a in an intellectual way to know. The five believe feel begins to experience like if I'm in this world I can't really know it and I want I want to know it so I pull back. Mm.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see a big part of myself in that. But it, yeah, but again, like I want, do we have multiple sufferings?
1: Well, I mean, there's some types that really, it's a complicated answer, but you're going to have one that yeah. feels really, if you're, like, and you, you might just sort of hold a couple in your mind's yeah. eye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I will say so far, I would say like almost none of them except for the little bit of the three in there. Possibly that I really identify with a part of my life. Five more so mm-hmm. in that, like, that search for answers and clarity and needing to know more and more and more and go deeper and deeper and deeper. Where I think most people would be like quite happy with, okay, like we figured it out. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, like, oh, what if we look at it this way? What if we look at it that way? It's like an endless search for meaning. Yeah. I could see that part of it, but I haven't really perceived it as a suffering in life. I've actually Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that search. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's,
0: Mm -hmm. that's maybe where I'm confused in listening to this Mm -hmm. and perhaps other people have heard that in their own types to be like, yeah, but I, I actually, that's my driving force, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could that also be? Yeah.
1: So, so the suffering that comes then for the five is what we call avarice and Again, we understand avarice in our culture to mean greed. But what avarice really means is withholding. Mm. And so the particular suffering for the five is not the search for knowledge, is not the search for clarity. It is the strategy that they have developed in order to attain that knowledge. And so what creates the quality of suffering for the five is their pulling back from the world, this withholding of their life force, this withholding of their resources and energy because their story is, right? Because their experience was, I was connected to this this beautiful clarity this feeling of like illumination light bulbs going off as I was connected to source. And then I came through into this world, I became a human being and it feels like it's just a lot of noise. So they quite understandably make them the, have the misbelief that if I, if I leave this world, if I pull back from this world, I get that clarity again. When actually, the more I pull back and withhold Mm -hmm. from being a full human being and fully participating in the muddiness, the mess, the realities of what it means to be both animal and spirit at the same time, actually, the more I confuse myself, the more I lose touch with reality. And so their quality of suffering is this refusal to participate mm. and the ways it actually takes their mind offline and begins to take them further away from their quest for clarity, even though at the very beginning it was very well-intentioned their, why they did it. So my question to you would be not just like, do I, I, you know, ooh, I love that feeling of, you know, endless discovery. and But do I actually see in my life all the ways I withhold energy, withhold myself from the situation?
0: Maybe I have to listen to seven then too.
1: Yeah, because yeah, that's the suffering of the five.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I do that so much.
1: No, I think, I mean, this is, it's it's fun to talk with you about and i i love and it's i mean and your listeners are probably doing the same thing like what about
0: that exactly like, that's why yeah. i'm that's why i'm like allowing it too cuz i'm like this is kind of fun to help people kind of sit through and identify people in their life and kind of really start and i invite everyone to do that like really start questioning cuz that's the self awareness aspects of this yeah. where do you pull back where yeah. do you yeah cuz like you said we each have parts of this We've all experienced certain angles of this. So, yeah, let's hear six and seven, and then I will come to a grand <laughs> conclusion for myself as to what my suffering okay. in this okay. life is really about.
1: <laughs> okay. So, type six, which is my type, we call this type the loyal skeptic, which is kind of a funny name. And what we mean by that is the six is a mind type, also a head type. And so, the six's connection to source feels like this immediate intuitive ability to see reality in its entirety and to see all the connections, to see everything that's happening, basically to see truth in the moment. And because there is this deep connection and ability to see reality, the six feels a deep quality of support and a feeling of being guided in their decision making and guided in their ability not only to make decisions for themselves but decisions for the the whole because the six can see how it's all connected and there is this feeling of stability that comes like which i'm sure many people have experienced you know, this that the feeling of like i know what to do here i know exactly what to do and even if it's something that's harmful or something that causes pain that feeling of conviction that i'm on the right path is is so grounding that it makes it very easy to move forward even in the face of discomfort. And so that, that feeling of guidance and support because of my connection to reality is what um, presence is experienced as for a six. And so that's what feels like is at stake or lost as a human being is it's a profound feeling of disorientation. Like, I thought I understood reality. I thought I knew what to do. I thought I knew how to move forward. And now it's like, I don't know what's going on. I literally, like, I cannot feel anything holding me up. And I can't figure out which way is up. And I can't figure out how to move forward. And so the six then begins, because they are a head type, to overuse their head function, to try to ping pong around and imagine other people's viewpoints, ask for opinions outside themselves. They're sort of looking for different ways to ground their decision making. But in that overuse of the head, they're actually kind of scaring themselves more I'm feeling all the more disoriented because they keep getting all these different points of view. And now what do I do? And so we call that passion angst, or as my teacher, Russ Hudson, he calls it angst, which is this feeling of even as I think I know what's happening, even as I think I know what to do, there's always one more shoe that could fall. There always could be something I can't see or that I, which I don't know. And so the moment I feel certainty, I then question that certainty. And so I never allow myself to settle in feeling okay moving forward.
0: And you're a type six, so if it's okay to ask, has there been one area of your life where that showed up profoundly where you were like, oh, that's very obviously that kind of suffering
1: coming up. So that's what I think is so interesting about the Enneagram is for me, once I really allowed myself to see all the ways that was a lens that could explain my, my life journey. It's like, I can't see it another way now. And so it really does kind of feel like we talk about in attachment theory, they have this concept of the unfelt known. It's a truth that you know, but you know it so deeply you can't name it because it's beyond, it's it's so in you, you don't even know you know it. These passions are kind of like that, where as I describe them, that suffering it's like it's it's describing a part of your experience that was so fundamental to how you were seeing the world, you didn't even know to name it. And so it's only been in retrospect as I look through the way I was making decisions and mm. I look um, at different ways I saw relationship crises or professional crises or what I was looking for. Um, when i joined a community or took on a new job or moved now it all it it feels like that was that's a that's one of my main lenses that i didn't know i had and also which i would say is true for every type the other way that i know it is that quality of presence that i've described that feeling of like oh i know what to do here those moments are so fleeting for me but so memorable when they do happen that was sort of the other way it's almost like i can see it's how rare its opposite was for me and also how meaningful it was
0: mm, i like that yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah
1: and and again you know like i feel like the pandemic really was an onlining of everyone's six inside themselves because the six is all about what do I do in the face of uncertainty and what do I do when actually I can't know what to do exactly like I'm getting all this conflicting data we're all in a world where like this is sort of unprecedented how do I move forward in the face of unknown territory and so You can sort of there are elements of that for all of us at different moments in our life, and also you can sort of see what happens socially and culturally when we're all having how jangly everyone was and how much disagreement there was and how scary it was and um, how unsettled people felt and they overate and they overdrank and they you know and they tried to soothe themselves like that's all the sixth way of being in the world that was like turned on for a lot of people during this phase of life.
0: Mm, That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's still very true in its different manifestations now of all the other unprecedented things that are happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the last type, type seven, is the enthusiast. And again, the enthusiast is a head type. And so the quality of presence or the connection to the divine You know, the five was this sort of like, you know, this drilling down and getting to the essence of something is kind of like a delicious, clarifying, precise, never-ending journey. For the seven, it's kind of the opposite, which is like to explore what yet is not possible, what is, what I can imagine and dream up. There's always something new that I get to create and imagine, like there are worlds that have yet to be made and discovered and created out of this mind of ours. And I feel that unlimited possibility, it makes me unbelievably joyful and happy Mm, because there's a hopefulness in, yeah, we never know what's around the corner and we can always create something new. Mm. I like that. You can always dream yeah. up, and there is also specifically a quality of freedom that comes.
0: Okay, so now, yeah. Okay, so now, now I'm like, oh, these are these are hitting very close to home. <laughs> so, is it the limitation of possibility- freedom? Could that possibly be yeah. what it is? Because because now yeah. we've hit, we've now we've hit on the suffering. <laughs>
1: Okay, okay, it was the last one, all right. So, we're yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you'll see that in the type seven, there's sometimes a reason we hold the seven to last. Um, oh, no, so I'm good. <laughs> Are we the most complicated? Uh, uh no, but <laughs> but some, but sometimes you can be, um, as we'll explain, the most impatient. Um, okay. and <laughs> So we, uh,
0: we just like challenged me through the, through the patience of it.
1: Yeah. But, How long can we sustain your attention? Did we make it through all nine types? Well, the good thing is you're very delicious- interesting.
0: So um, yeah. yeah, so I'm here if it's interesting.
1: All right. Okay. Yeah. So there's this freedom that comes with this idea of it doesn't matter what's going on in the moment. I can always imagine something new and you know like that beautiful quote from mandela like doesn't matter the prison that you find me in my mind is never imprisoned and so there's ultimate freedom um, limitlessness um, uh, causeless positivity that comes with that unique capacity of the mind And so then that is sort of what the personality of the the seven then becomes like over-indexed on is as I deal with challenge and pain and discomfort, it just feels like a big trap that's trying to (laughs) limit and confine me and specifically confine me in pain that I have no idea how long it's going to last. And... I begin to use my mind to anticipate, imagine, leave the moment because my mind is so pleasurable. I can always come up with a new possibility.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, no, we've hit it on the mark. Um, yeah, I love that. That's like a, yep, yeah. greatest fear is being trapped.
1: Ah, so great that this is resonating for you.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's hitting, uh, that makes all the sense in the world. And it's been my greatest work over the last couple of years to be like, how does one find the joy in closing all the doors and saying yes to one of them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's so beautiful that you describe it that way because the passion we talk about for the seven is gluttony. And again, we think about gluttony as like kind of like over consuming, like stuffing ourselves, but that's not what we mean. What we mean is like wanting the buffet, like wanting a taste of everything. How can I possibly know that this is the thing I want until I've tasted it all? And so there's this looking for satisfaction, looking for the thing that's gonna bring me joy, looking for the thing that's gonna make me feel like lit up. But the minute I get kind of like, well, this could be the one, this could be the thing, that begins to feel confining and like it's eliminating optionality. And as you said, trapping me. And so then I begin to become restless and I, I leave the moment and start looking up and seeing what else is out there. And so just like each one of these is its own trap, its own vicious cycle, where the strategy we adapt to kind of connect back to source ironically takes us further away. The seven's kind of what we call like failure to land means that there's, they're never tasting anything, actually.
0: It's, it's kind of moving through the uncomfortability of doing the thing that feels like it would bring the suffering, but instead brings the peace, is what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah. And, and for the seven, it's this, this realization that, you know, part of that kind of wanting to taste the buffet is this sort of like, it's, instant gratification or like what if what if what if it's kind of like wanting every impulse to be uh, indulged i need i need full uh, i need full optionality so that i can feel the freedom to indulge any impulse or desire i might have and part of the seven's journey is to realize that that's actually not freedom at all because we're being driven by yeah. impulse
0: I have, it's funny because now that you speak of it, you know, I was, I probably never was at three to begin with, because this is reminding me when I was 18, there was a Starbucks cup and on it was this quote that I carried around with me for years. And it said, commitment to make a commitment is to free yourself from the tyranny of your own mind. And for years, I was like, I just don't get it. I know that's where I'm supposed to go. But I just can't get there. (laughs) And so I would just carry, I cut it out and then carried it with me, stuck it on my college room Mm. board, somehow like, you know, put it in like the most important folder of information. I don't know. There was something about that sentence where I was like, Mm. my life journey is to figure out how to find that commitment and that like ability to just be in this one choice (laughs) that you've Mm. made But I think it's so fascinating Mm. that that you talk Mm. about this from like a suffering and the journey of it all to say like, yeah, it's like, it's going to be a constant practice.
1: Yeah. So fascinating to me that part of you knew at some level that that was what you needed to hear, even though cognitively it wasn't registering.
0: Oh yeah. No, I've known forever. It's just been the, Mm. the battle. It's, it's the battle. Right. And, and I mean, I think maybe making peace with it was was possibly a huge part of it for me actually and maybe maybe you've mm-hmm. seen this to be true for other people. I'm curious. I think for me when it started to shift where I could make greater commitments or I could give myself a sense of okay, well, you don't have to like do everything or see everything. Like this is good for now. This is good you know, and, or like, it's just, it's, it's good to be here and to be present and to fully experience. I think for me, if there's a big shift in just accepting that I was a freedom loving person, mm-hmm. just to say like, okay, that is who I am. Mm-hmm. And I can work on finding greater peace within that. I can work on finding commitment with it. I can make choices to ground rather than to flee. Mm -hmm. I can watch the impulse to flee and go, do we really need to do that right now? Right. Mm -hmm. But to accept that fundamentally, I'm always going to have a part of me Mm -hmm. that is as an ex-partner put it, happiest in transit. Mm -hmm hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> was was great to yeah. say okay that's who I am to yeah. a certain degree yeah. you know like that's yeah. just who had the blueprint I came in with and we accept it for what it is it's not good it's not bad it just is and then we work to great create greater peace within that system
1: well I think what you're saying is really beautiful because like part of this arc that we're describing is, you know, like a big piece of work for no matter what type you are, is to wake up to this passion, right? And to see how much it's been driving your narrative, your life's arc. And there's there's a lot of, you know, tears typically and you know, kind of a uh I see what I've been up to and regret sometimes, profound regret that each type is likely to experience as they they wake up to the the reality that they didn't know they were living and then of course there's this temptation for backlash which is like i hate my type i can't like like to castigate oneself for making these choices that ultimately were causing more suffering than we realized than we realized and so then the next piece is to sort of come to acceptance that you know, you were always going to do one of those. It was just a question of which. And so it's not like everyone else has got this figured out right. and you were the only one that was setting yourself up. And to rather than push away that part of yourself and try to do the opposite, um, is to rather, as you described, sort of s- love that part of yourself. And the moment you kind of welcome it and no longer push it away, well, also seeing what it's up to that's kind of what takes the sting out of it because pushing it away is allowing it to run you just as much as it being an automated pattern and and then the next part of the journey is to see that that impulse to find joy and freedom that that's actually a really beautiful fundamental part of being human And that's not the part that needs to be worked on, in quotes. That's the part that needs to be honored. But then can we actually go after it in a different way? And can I actually realize and come to see that I don't have to change my circumstances, I don't have to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't have to necessarily leave my job. I don't necessarily have, as you said, be in transit in order to attain that.
0: You mean you don't have to burn your whole life (laughs) to the ground? Is that...
1: (laughs) That... Can we go back like a couple years and
0: just... (laughs) <laughs> is there a time travel yeah. machine to, you know, early 20s? Yeah. Like, is that possible? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, I completely agree.
1: And <laughs> actually that, that, that ability to long for freedom and to want jo- positivity is actually your gift that you can bring to the moment just by being in the moment. Mm. And it's actually an offering you have that orientation that you have to want that and to we all we all need to wake up i need to look for more joy and more freedom and for you to stand for those values but then to stand for and we don't have to do this in a blow up the house kind of way is ultimately part of your contribution Mm.
0: and it's true because as you were talking about every single type there's people that came to mind where i was like oh but i love that about them right like i'm sure that that is a difficult attribute to hold but man am i happy they hold it right because yeah. within that challenge comes a, a a type of person that's so fundamentally different from me that it gives me something of, of tremendous value like you just said
1: yeah Well, and the other thing that we come to realize, and this is part of what I think the Enneagram is, why the spiritual explanation for the Enneagram I think is so beautiful and meaningful is, um, you know, you experienced those qualities without having to make any of them happen way back at the beginning of your life. They were available to you just by being in the moment. They naturally came online without you having to overmuscle it. And so that's kind of the lesson for each of the type is we develop personality thinking that like we have to do something to experience that feeling of freedom or to experience aliveness or groundedness or integrity or love or value, et cetera, et cetera. When the real lesson is I actually had that, I experienced that when I was a non-functional person. I didn't have to do anything for it. And it came online for me, and mm-hmm. so that's actually possible for me as an adult. like my personality is here to help us navigate this world, but personality does not bring us into connection with the divine Oh,
0: good, yes, very good that like is a is a beautiful take home from all of what i'm sure is like floating around in people's head right now right of like cuz as me and i'm i'm sure as you once you hear your suffering you're like oh yeah that's that's uh, very crystal clear there is there's no way around it so i think that's a really beautiful way to also come at it is that yeah at the end of the day that connection to source is is not really dependent on the personality you have it all along you just forget. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much, Courtney. This was delightful. I learned so much. I will be thinking about this conversation, I'm sure, for quite a while. So I really appreciate you
1: coming on. I loved being um, part of this conversation. I I loved your questions. I loved your openness. Um, I loved your spirit. It was a lot of fun for me also.
0: Thank you. I love yours. Um, Have a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, yeah, thank you again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, subscribe. If you are one of the people that listen to our podcast, and we actually got stats back, like 70% of you listen and you're not subscribed, and it would just be the best gift to subscribe. So click that little button so that you can be a subscriber. You can be an innie at the call podcast versus an outie. Come be an innie at the call podcast. So subscribe. We would really appreciate it. So that we can bring more guests, bigger guests,